Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host that's, you know, frozen in carbonite, Javier. <laughs> and uh, we've returned to our Star Wars franchise for our review of the 1980 film, The Empire Strikes Back, which is now known as Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Retroactively named, as we've learned, or as I've learned as we started the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um... Okay, so we are now arriving at my favorite film in this franchise. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I've been literally waiting for us to get to this for a very long time. Um, when I, it is funny because despite the fact that it is my favorite in the series, I think it's the one I've watched the least in these last few years since I've owned the entire like series. You're a fake fan. <laughs> um, but, you know, this movie came out three years after the original Star Wars. So, 1980, because uh, the original came out in 77. And Math. Yeah. <laughs> and it is the, I guess, considered the darkest chapter in the franchise. Mm. <laughs> it's the darkest of the original trilogy. Yeah. I think if you were to talk to George Lucas and his piles of cocaine money episode 3 is supposed to be the darkest I'd actually say that I think the movie that competes with this for darkest chapter in the franchise Rogue now one. Rogue One Yeah, because I think it, Rogue One is the darkest because everyone dies yeah it's a it's a movie with that's filmed with doomed characters it's like it's uh, it's very much one of those movies. Don't get attached to anybody because guess what? They're all going to die. <laughs> um, what is your experience with The Empire Strikes Back? I can't tell you. Like, I really don't remember. Mm -hmm. I think I watched it when I was like... Oh, man. Maybe I watched it when I was like 9 or 10, maybe 11. I watched it as a... Uh, my, my, sister's, uh, my sister's husband at the time... He had the box set of the original uh, trilogy, and I remember I watched... I think it that might have been the first time I ever saw Empire Strikes Back. Maybe I watched it, like, on Spike, or, you know, one of those rando movie channels, like TNT or something. You can... I, I could thank the Spike Network for having watched all the Star Wars films, and having watched all the James Bond movies, because that's all they would show. Like, they would just pick weekends where they would just show every film in those franchises. <laughs> when they weren't showing 36 Hours of Cops <laughs> or Bar Rescue. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in case anyone was, you know, wondering, Spike TV used to be a channel for men, by men, with men, all over men. Menly channel <laughs> for men. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, um, yeah, so my experience with this film is, so I remember if I taught you, if you remember I talked the last episode of the series that we did, where in the daycare that I was going to is actually the first time I had seen the original Star Wars movie. Well, that <laughs> is... a fucking kick-ass daycare you're going to? Well, that's also the same place where I watched The Empire Strikes Back as like a four-year-old. <laughs> what? But, but what I remember the most from this movie, to be totally honest, um, and what I was so jealous of and I wanted, was that one of the kids who went there with us had a giant AT-AT toy. Oh. And it was the coolest fucking thing. 
I thought he had a giant lightsaber and just started stabbing all of you guys with it. <laughs> no, it was an ad at and he was nice enough to let you all of us play ad-at? with it. Oh, I'm sorry. But oh, that, first of all, that's cool. Like, how big was it? Was it one of those that's like standing at three feet tall and yeah. like, you put the toys yep. in the carrier? All right. Yeah, I remember seeing those. Like, I remember seeing those as a kid. That is pretty dope. No, but you call it ad at? I. That's the, the only thing I've ever called it, yeah. That's weird. It's ATAT? I mean, I've, I've, I've only ever heard it called ATAT, but I don't know what they called it in the movie. Well, I've also listened to other podcasts where they like review Star Wars, and the hosts on those show will refer to it as ad ads. Well, so they're all wrong. I think I think my brain—it's like it's just poisoned my brain to where that's that's just how I refer to them. First of all, why are you listening to other podcasts? <laughs> but second of all, they're all wrong and they're stupid nerds. But that's how I got the idea to do this. That's why we even started this. <laughs> but um, no, nah, I mean, yeah, I remember those, dude. I swear to God, Star Wars is, like, kind of a tangent, but Star Wars has some of the freaking sickest toys. Like, I remember the X-Wing Starfighters. Yep. It's, like, the models you could create. Yep. Um, I, yeah. And then this uh, this kid, obviously, was a big Star Wars fan, because he had that, and he also had a Millennium Falcon. Oh, freaking nerd. That's awesome. Yeah, which is <laughs> do you, great. Do you jump him after school and steal his stuff? But I was younger than him. <laughs> oh, even better. No one would expect that. <laughs> Come here, nerd! Give swirly. Um, the other thing that this movie is famous for is that in some circles, it's considered one of those few movies where the sequel is better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I say to that. <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> I mean, you're... I can see why people like this as a... Uh, they would like this more than New Hope, right? Because the way this film ends, there's a lot of good character development. It leaves your characters in a very interesting place as a where to go. And also, I mean, this is kind of establishing a saga at this point. Um, I, Me, personally, I just... I feel like a New Hope is such a good well done film and it's like easily like such a good standalone that that's why I I don't know I think I put it on a pedestal like yeah Empire Strikes Back is really good but I think a big part of it is just because A New Hope has such a like soft spot in my heart that that's why I I have to I have to blow raspberries at the thought of the sequels being better than the original (laughs) Um, I'd probably say that this is one of those cases to where me, this movie reminds me most of the Godfather part two, because there, no, and I know, I know, I'm not talking in terms of the quality, but okay. So Godfather and Godfather two, everyone, it's, it's almost a consensus amongst like film fans that the Godfather is one of the best movies of all time. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you watch that film, it is a perfect standalone film that covers two generations of a family. Um, and it's just such a masterclass in storytelling. And it really is. Like, it, 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 like especially going back now, these last recent like years, I've gone back to a lot of more Scorsese stuff. And there's a lot of comedy in Scorsese, which yep. is awesome. Like, I love his style of making mob movies. But it's very different from Godfather, which is kind of my first exposure to it. Mm-hmm. And in Godfather, they're all like Shakespeare characters, and everyone's very quiet and stoic, and it's just people sitting in dark rooms and stuff like that. But it is, like I said, it's a perfect movie. 
I think Godfather 2 is better than Godfather 1. But the problem with Godfather 2 is it doesn't stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Like, to be able to understand and get the full force of what Godfather 2 is trying to, like, give you, you have to have watched Godfather 1. So my question is, using that barometer, can Empire Strikes Back stand on its own, in your opinion? I don't think so. Mm. I think it's it is specifically the ending. Like, now now that we know this is a saga, mm-hmm. like, I, I think this is one of those movies to where if you saw it, like, when it first came out in theaters, it could have ended that way, mm-hmm. and maybe that would have been it. But it's like, I don't know, it just, it feels like a piece of a puzzle to me. And it just, I don't know if it stands on its own. And I think that's really why I, people who make a case where they don't think Empire is better than A New Hope, I understand that. Because A New Hope, like you said, it stands on its own. Mm -hmm. And all the prequels that we watched, and all the Rogue One, and Solo, and all that kind of stuff, like all that stuff, well specifically Rogue One, was a was a fantastic lead in to a new hope. Literally, like it happened the week of. <laughs> I thought Solo was a pretty good lead in for this movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, because this is definitely like an Empire Strikes Back. I don't know. Depending on who you talk to, like Solo definitely takes more of a of a center stage in this one. Mm-hmm. Even though a good portion of and the, one of the you know plot lines like plot B revolves around Luke. Yeah, Solo totally, like, feeds right into, right in, like, thematically feeds right into this movie. He has a much bigger part here, Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know, to me, I just like, I like the changes that are made in terms of the style of this film. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it isn't just a repeat of the original. Um, this film is kind of like that movie that I shit talk all the time, Infinity War. (laughs) Um... I think I have to go back and kind of apologize a little bit to Infinity War. You should super apologize to Infinity War. Alright, let's not let's not go crazy here. Oh no, I'm also not saying it's like a work <laughs> of art. It's a fun movie, but I, I still think you've railed on hard. You, we have well-documented evidence of how hard you've railed on it. Um, much but, like Infinity War, this is a movie that sets up another movie. Yeah. And... <laughs> ultimately how that third film in this original trilogy is we will discuss once we get to Return of the Jedi and this movie sets up another film just like Far From Home sets up another film oh wait boom that got shut down Oof. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be embarrassing if you tried to set up one character to be your mainstay in an entire franchise and it just kind of fell apart <laughs> that good thing that didn't happen to Luke what about you Peter oh wait this is going to date this episode so I, I'm, hard. I'm perfectly okay with that. Watch, anyway, <laughs> fuck watch, you, Disney. Watch by the time we get to like the new series, it's going to be like they will have patched things up and Spider-Man's going to come back to the MCU and we're not even going to be talking about this anymore. Nah, fuck you, Disney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, All right, I'm sorry. Another tangent. I just got to put it out there. It's crazy how many people are like coming after Sony in this deal. And I'm just like, really? You're not mad at the mon- like the actual living like monopoly that's like sucking the bone marrow off any piece of content it can? That well, is yeah, because Disney? Disney owns the franchise that we're talking about right now. Ah oh, shit, we're feeding the machine. <laughs> um, but yeah, other Sh- movies... Shut down the podcast, it's all over. 
other movies that uh, that kind of you know expand on the original, they make the world bigger. I guess is what I would say about Empire. Yeah, is it does expand the universe a bit. Um, it introduced some of the elements I love about this franchise more than anything. The Imperial March yeah. shows up here finally. And Dagobah, the yeah, the the ice planet of Hoth, the Dagobah scenes, um, the introduction to Yoda in this franchise. Like, I have so many of these movies have bled together for me for so many years that I forget in the original franchise that Yoda isn't in New Hope Mm -hmm. and that you don't really meet him until Empire. And then you realize how much of a flaming dickbag he is, too. <laughs> like, he's kind of... Uh, you know, we'll get more into it, but I was very surprised that that is... I was definitely looking at Yoga with... Uh, yoga? <laughs> I was definitely looking at Yoda with some rose-colored glasses going into this, because I was like, holy shit. Well, because they make him a lot more serious in those prequels, whereas, like, in this, he's a lot more of, like, a Muppet character. Kermit the Frog. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he is very much a Jim Henson creation. Too bad he didn't break universe. out into like a, a <laughs> s- song number. Yeah. I think some other movies are important to note that were better than the original. For sure, Terminator 2. Yeah. And I think Terminator 2 is really interesting because it can actually stand on its own when you have a very simple premise like send robot to pass to kill kid in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like... It, it it in theory it should just write itself every sequel. <laughs> yeah, like I've only watched Terminator One a handful of times. Terminator Two I own on DVD and I can go back to it at any time. And we are literally gonna watch it again when the new Terminator drops in like <laughs> three months. Yeah, everybody just loves going back to Terminator Two. Like that entire franchise wants to come back. Linda Hamilton's back. Edward <laughs> Furlong's back. How many times? Has has uh, John Connor been retconned? Oh God, so many! Because he was played by Edward Furlong. Uh, he was played by another character in part in Rise of the Machines, right? Yeah. Then Christian Bale plays him in Salvation. God. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't in Genesis though, because Genesis was never Amelia, saw Genesis. Yeah, uh, Genesis like Amelia Clark, and I forget what the male actor. Did she look like name. Daenerys? No. Then I never would have known she was in it. They well, much like in Solo, they just made her hair dark. Yeah, and remember, I didn't know she was in that either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. So unless she has platinum blonde hair, I will never know if she's in the movie or not. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's just go ahead and get into this movie now. Uh, I think we've dicked around with this long enough. <laughs> so this movie picks up three years after A New Hope. Such a weird, screwy timeline. Like, it's just weird to me that you blow up the Death Star and essentially have the Empire on the backpedal, and the movie takes place three years after. Well, you know, wars tend to last years. No. Not just that, but it's like, <laughs> but you do kind of feel the passage of time a little bit in that they're in a completely different space than they were in the original film. Oh, that that's what I wanted to mention, is right off the bat, you can tell this movie got money. Yeah. They had way bigger budget than... It, this, it feels less than Hammer actors, like, Hammer horror actors sitting in, like, rooms filled with grates everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, like, right off the bat, they're, they're fucking on location at Hoth, and I'm like, oh, wow, they got money for this. It one. was fantastic. I love the location of Hoth. Um, it sets up the film 
for me in such a good way right away. Like it just it sets it apart mm-hmm. from a new hope. Um the it characters opens up the world. Yeah. That's for sure. Leia at this point, I feel like has started moving away from Princess Leia to General Leia, which is like more like if you watch the sequel trilogy now, mm-hmm. like she is much more considered a war hero. Mm-hmm. Um Han Solo is much more taking much more of an active role in the time between these films as well. But even no matter what, just like just like uh, Harrison Ford in real life, Han is looking for any chance he can to hightail it out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, again, I, I think the movie that really kind of set me up well for this was actually Solo. Oh, totally. Um, I, I think part of that is because so like there were so many things that directly came from Solo. Like, the big one being Lando and Han's yeah. um, relationship. Right? Yeah. When I see Billy D. Williams and Harrison Ford... Hook back up again, I swear I go back to... I, I was having flashbacks of scenes with Donald Glover and... What is the other You know you man. don't know his name. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we just did that film not that long ago. I feel so bad because that guy will forever be known as not Harrison Ford. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like I, would, I just got flashbacks of young Han and young Lando and... You know, it just, again, it really does fit in. I do, the relationship between he and Chewie feels more full to me as well. Um, And also, like, even uh, even Luke, he's no longer That whiny little baby. He's he's really come into his own and he's accepted his role as a Jedi. I can't call him a knight, can't call him a Padawan, so just a Jedi. Yeah. While, and you know, you definitely get that vibe of a guy fit, trying to figure it out, but just knowing, like, the Rebels knowing they have him around, like, you know, makes him, puts him more at ease and whatnot. Well, he also just has, like, a really, like, damaged face. Like, he's got scratches and, mm-hmm. like, and, you know, like, cuts and all this kind of stuff. He looks like he's been through stuff. Is this after, um, Mark Hamill's accident? Oh, he had an accident? Oh, you didn't know about that? No. That's why he looks so scarred up now, is because he had, like, a car accident, and I think, like, glass, like... Well, there you go. Uh, like, that's that's probably exactly why he looks that way. Uh, I thought it was something that they kind of made up for the movies. No, but I think... It, I mean, it, unfortunately, you know, obviously you never want anybody to get hurt. Yeah. But if that's the case, if it was him post-car accident, and that's why he looks the way he does, then it... I mean, the movie's all the better for it. Yeah, because he looks like a legit war hero now. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, he feels less like that annoying kid that Hayden Christensen was trying to rip off in the prequel trilogy. <laughs> and he actually feels closer, much like Leia, he feels much closer to the guy that Rey is going to seek out in mm-hmm. Last Jedi. Yep. He just, you know, not necessarily tired and angry, but, like... But he... <laughs> he has his shit together. Yeah, exactly. Um... So, you know, the Death Star has been destroyed at this point. Uh, the Imperial fleet is still led by Darth Vader, but we no longer have our Peter Cushing because he died in the last film. <laughs> Suck it! <laughs> um, Darth Vader takes center stage in terms of the villain role. Oh my god, Darth Vader really amps up the villainy by like 100%. One thing that just helps... And probably raises the iconography of Darth Vader in this film, the Imperial March. 
Oh, I was gonna say force choking everyone every five minutes. Well, that is true. Like I thought, he, like there was one point where he he like choked one of his generals. And I thought he like killed him. He did. He <laughs> kills like three generals. Yeah. My favorite one is when he kills the guy when he's not even on the same ship. Yeah, it's like it's like you know all the stuff that Adam Driver is like trying to like sell you in terms of like evilness is effortless is effortless with Darth Vader right yeah. now in this film. It reminds me of, uh, there's this, uh, I'm gonna show how much of a nerd I am, but there's this, like, anime creator who, anytime he wants to, uh, it's the, the guy that made JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, that means nothing to you, maybe it'll mean something to somebody we're talking to, but the creator said that anytime he wants to make, uh, like, make people, like, really hate somebody and really hate his villain... The guy always has to do something terrible to an animal. Like, he always has to kill a dog in front of a hero. <laughs> and that's the vibe I was getting from Darth Vader. I'm like, they really want to show you how evil he is. They're just going to keep killing people. <laughs> like, they're just going to keep having him kill his subordinates. But he feels he feels more evil. Oh, totally. He and like feels, you said... He feels more like the guy who... Who force choked his wife until she died. He feels like <laughs> the guy that murdered in cold blood all those rebels in the hallway scene. Yeah. You know, in uh, Rogue One. like, And yeah, like you're right. The music was freaking spot on. The Imperial March tells you everything you need to know about the Empire. Yeah. Without a like, word of dialogue. He has, because he has a theme in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's not as memorable as this. Like, this just feels a lot more operatic, and much like, you know, when we were going through the prequel trilogies and we were talking about the, what is it, the Duel of the Fates? Is that the, is that the song that they played during the lightsaber battle between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon? Mm. Because that is that, that is that piece of music that, like, that you and I always make jokes about every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the one. That's the one, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's like, that. that is... Much like that, it's one of those pieces of music that just raises... It just stands out. Yeah, yeah. it's operatic. Um, and it just raises the stakes, and that's definitely how it felt with the Imperial March. Right, and it's funny because now they're in, they're in, a, they're in a ship that's much less physically imposing than the Death Star was. Mm-hmm. But it seems like but Darth still... Vader... It seems like Darth Vader is just angrier at this point. Yeah, because I think, and with good, with good reason, I think, you know, he was embarrassed because they severely underestimated how you know not even how smart the rebels were just how willing they were to to keep fighting you know well yeah the destruction of the death star seems to have been a turning point in the war mm-hmm. right and that is why the film ends on such a happy note the last film in this franchise and that's why it's so crazy that this film the way it begins is on such a brutal note because yeah. then you find out that the that the uh that Vader's essentially his his plan to try to get the rebels out of hiding is he's just been sending probes literally all over space. Yes, which is literally drones, right? Yeah, like, like he's na- just now shooting would, drones. Now out we would everywhere. just yeah, like now we would think of those as unfortunately we are the evil empire. Like we we send drone strikes to other countries to you know to do things to keep them under oppressive rules so thanks obama <laughs> darth vader is us <laughs> um, but yeah it's like, why are you booing me i'm you <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know it, it is a good way to kind of 
again, set him up as the main villain in this series again. The main all-seeing villain. Yeah. But yeah, like, and that I think that's a big thing about Darth Vader in this movie. Um, it feels like he can be anywhere at any time. Exactly. And that's what makes him even more terrifying. Um, there's one scene in specific where that happens. I can't wait till we get to it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we start with Luke. Luke is out, uh, what is it, on the Wampa? And, no, no, no. No, he gets Luke attacked is, by a Wampa. He's yeah. on the Tauntaun. There you go, the Tauntaun. And so Luke, uh, he identifies one of the drones coming into the, uh, coming on the Hoth. And then gets attacked by a Wampa, which is essentially an abominable snowman. Or like a Yeti. Think <laughs> of the Yeti from the Matterhorn and Di- Oh my god, I'm relating things to Disney. Or you could just think... <laughs> of, you know what I thought of it? It was like the Yeti creature from those old stop-motion Christmas movies. Yeah, but <laughs> that, but you know, way more terrifying. <laughs> They're pretty terrifying. Go back and watch one of those... Go back and watch one of those stop-motion... Christmas movies. Like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer No, one? like specifically the ones with the Yeti in it. I forget which film exactly that is. I gotta look it up. But that Yeti is frightening. But it's really... Okay, like, I really want to watch a Star Wars story that's just about either Rebels or Imperial Soldiers at an outpost being attacked by a Wampa and turn into a horror movie. Oh, the Mandalorian is... They're gonna have an know. episode like that? No, no, well, I don't know, but, like, I, we, I think we talked about it before, but we ta- I don't know if we talked about it being a movie or a series, but it's going to be a series on Disney+. Plus. I thought we talked about it oh, in okay. the series. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought John Favreau was behind it. Yep, John Favreau was behind it. Fuck yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that as well. Oh, yeah, well, John Favreau, if you listen to our podcast, I want a, uh, I want a Siege episode where a Wampa's attacking a bunch of people on, a, on Hoth. Let's do it. <laughs> Give me money. But anyway, so the Luke, so the Luke, the Luke, Luke gets taken by the Wampa to his. Sex Wampa dungeon. gets taken by the Luke. <laughs> yeah, Luke gets captured by the Wampa, and he I'm gets... assuming he's gonna make sweet, sweet Wampa love to him. <laughs> well, it does seem that way, but Luke manages to free himself with uh, using, the Force. Well, using the Force for his lightsaber, which come on. Everybody, or at least anyone who's as fucking lazy as I am, has tried it. Has had point. something be very far away from them and has tried to reach for it. And he, <laughs> <laughs> where he just want to reach for something. Oh my god! I would give my left nut to have that power in real life. <laughs> to use it for no other reason than to bring shit to you. <laughs> when my kid wants to run through the house and I'm calling her back and she doesn't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but uh once luke does escape he ends up going back into this the treacherous cold that is apparently so bad that like you know the you walk, like like the tauntauns like will die after being out there in you know for too long yeah, yeah exactly it's like no one is able to be out in these frigid deadly temperatures um he starts to go into some sort of hypothermic like coma <laughs> and he goes crazy there. and just starts talking about obi-wan yeah and well he also sees obi-wan at some point right like he has like the the force ghost vision so yeah force obi-wan tells him hey go to dagobah seek out yoda and he'll train you to be a jedi master and then it just has that scene where han finds him his, his tauntaun dies so he cuts open you know the famous scene Cuts open the Tauntaun and shoves Luke all up in the guts yeah. so that he can stay warm. 
Well, he sets up a shelter, right? But it's just funny because the whole fine, the whole time Luke just goes, Yoda, Dagobah, yeah. Yoda. <laughs> like, he's going crazy. Well, I think even when they did, like, the Family Guy parody, like, they made jokes about that, too. Like, yeah. all the different things that Luke would say when he was, like, going in and out. But, you know, this movie is much more of an ensemble because, like, while you had that Luke story where he was kidnapped by the... Wampa, you also were going back and forth between that, between Darth Vader, and then also Leia and Han. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems like there's a little bit of a thing going on between Han and Leia at this point. Yeah. But they also decide to do something very awful. By the, so Luke and Han, they, they come back to the base. Yep, he brings, he brings Luke back. <laughs> Luke is recovering. Yeah, they put Luke in like a tank. That will like heat him and heat him up and take him out of that coma. It'll give him healing juice. Which gave me like flash forwards to two different things. One of them being what happens with Finn in Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and the other one is what happens with anyone who gets frozen by Mister Freeze and Batman, <laughs> where they have to go into like a chemical bath to yeah. like be revived again. Oh, well, it made me think of Starship Troopers when Johnny Rico was in the <laughs> healing goo. Yeah, so, they uh, once he's out of his coma, there's that awkward scene with he and Leia and Han, where Leia, like, wants to prove to Han how much not in love with him she is by making out with the guy who's gonna be her brother. Yikes. <laughs> so, when is it revealed that they're siblings? Return of the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm gonna vomit! <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely top five cringe moment in this franchise. That's, and that's how you can tell George Lucas had no fucking clue where he knew so many subplots were going. Yeah. Like, that's how you can tell this was not planned to be, like, an, an, an entire fucking saga. And at one point, Han makes a joke about Leia being super thankful and pretty much implying they 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 fucked. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was like, she was really thankful. She showed me that night, and I was like, wait, did they do it? And then Han, and then like Luke gets super like insecure about it, and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> well, it's yeah, this movie is a bit of an unfortunate, like, this is the unfortunate part of what they did next, right? Is yeah. that now, like, this movie feels like it, it makes less sense because you have this awkward, strange relationship that takes place. It's almost like, it feels like the moment in, uh, it feels like the moment in Phantom Menace that you had between Anakin and Padme. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to bring up the awkward moment in Game of Thrones when you find out that uh, Daddy and John oh, I guess, are yeah. together, and then he tells her, and then she's like, but I love you, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so this, so eventually the, uh, what's it called, the drones end up pinpointing exactly where these guys are, and they launch an all-out... You know, add at you know, just for the sake of continuity. Or you can just say AT-AT, oh, I don't care. Uh, we can call it what you want, I don't they care. They send the big, stupid, dog-looking tanks. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, one of the things I appreciate about this movie, in terms, it's, uh, you know, as opposed to what we saw in A New Hope, I feel like the New Hope cut, George Lucas tinkered with it way too much. A little, yeah. 
Just, to, just a like, little bit. He, he basically wanted to force it to feel like Phantom Menace a lot more. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this movie... You don't I, need that. You don't need that, and I appreciate that for the most part, a lot of the special effects are left as they were originally. Yep. Meaning, the uh, Tauntaun was... A stop, stop motion, motion yeah. which reminds me of like Ed Two Hundred Nine from RoboCop, which yep. I swear to God, before the end of this year, we're doing RoboCop. Fuck yeah! Because damn. I love that movie and I have it on Blu-ray. And then we watched the best one in that series, RoboCop, RoboCop Three. What? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, what? <laughs> Let me just move on from here. <laughs> um, and also, just the the ATAT you like units instead. I was so used to watching them in CGI and like the crazy like style in which they shot them in Solo and mm-hmm. in and in uh, Rogue One that to see the original version of it on the planet of Hoth, which is like to me in my mind when I picture this, uh, when I picture these vehicles, this is where I picture them. Yo. And obviously, it's one of those things that left such an impression that Last Jedi completely cribs this at the end of that film as well. Mm. Um, I love the fact that they're in stop motion. I just love the way that big gray robot looks in that white snow. And the fact that it's during the day. Mm. Um, It's an iconic... It's an iconic action scene in this franchise. It's really crazy because the Rebels are essentially getting their asses handed to them. And you really get to see just how, like, brutal the Imperial Army is. Yeah, like, and also, like, I mean, okay, uh, to add a little bit of my personal life into this, I've done just a lot of overtime work this week. I've had less sleep than I have normal, normally. And I've just been so tired. And when I had to sit down and watch this movie for this podcast, it was hard for me to stay awake at times because I was just so tired. I hate you. And this movie does take it. It, it takes your like it need. It requires your attention. Oh, definitely. Yeah. To to understand what's going on. But when we got to this scene, you woke up. I was fully <laughs> awake and engaged. Fully erect. <laughs> I remembered why this is my favorite movie in this franchise. Did I mention I was erect? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just an awesome action scene. I know. And I love that they took that scene from Civil War where Spider-Man tied up the big guy and they use that in this scene. Well, they do it in lots of movies. They do, they, they do reference... I mean, I was waiting for you to like yell at me for being stupid. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because, I mean, like... I was making a reference. Yes, Peter Peter Parker and Spider-Man, like the new Spider-Man series, is very much a Star Wars nerd, and they don't make any bones about it. Yeah, and then he's like, hey, remember that old movie, (laughs) Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, and also, I I know it always comes back to Batman on this show (laughs) all the time. I'm trying to make it a (laughs) Spider-Man-friendly show now. But I guarantee you that that there is a portion of of just reference that exists in Dark Knight which is Are when you the semi when he flips the semi yep. I'm when fucking he, hate you. No, when he when I saw that scene in Dark Knight for the first time, I remembered this scene. Mm-hmm. Like it is that's what I'm saying about the iconography of it is it's just in it to me this is one of the scenes that not only is it the most memorable for me in the Star Wars franchise, it's mm-hmm. actually the most memorable to me in film period. Yeah, like totally. Like that's why Rogue like, the video game, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, was so cool. Like, people got to reenact these crazy set pieces, including the part where Luke 
climbs up, like shoots the grappling hook, comes up to the under un, the the underbelly of the at at, mm-hmm. and just like cuts it open with his lightsaber and throws a grenade in there. Yeah, like this whole scene is just wonderfully shot. It's really like fast paced, and you can tell they had money. Yeah. And they put it a lot in the in as many practical effects as they could, right? And it and it showed off. And I thought that even if this scene took place in the eighties, it was really cool. One of the things here, I don't think we really mentioned when we did our solo episode, but one of the guys who helped write the script for that film mm-hmm. was I think his name is Lawrence Kans Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. The same guy who wrote this script. Oh, no shit. Empire Strikes Back. That's crazy. I didn't know I, that. I don't know how much of his idea, because I know that the production for Solo is a bit wild, and there was so many writers that were brought in and out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of him is in that film, but I think the reason why it does feel so connected is because we do have the same writer in this case. Yeah. And this is also the same guy who, if I'm not mistaken, did some writing for... Yeah, so so he was the writer of not just this film, but he, you know, the guy also did uh, a lot of the script work on The Force Awakens as well. So he is part of the new franchise as well, um, and he has returned for it. He's also very famous for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wait, and did he do Dreamcatcher? That movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, we were looking at his wiki. The, <laughs> let's focus on the good things he did. Um... The, uh, the guy who directed this film, it's easy to forget that it's actually not George Lucas this time. Um, it is Irvin Kirstner, who, besides The Empire Strikes Back, is also famous for... Robocop 2. Which, I don't know if you've seen that one recently. I've seen it in such a long time. I saw it a few years ago, and it's way better than I remember it being. Oh, maybe if we watch RoboCop 3, you'll also remember that being way better. I don't think I've watched RoboCop 3 since the 90s. Nope. Well, I know what series we're doing next. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, it's, it's, I, think, I, think, I think the fact that it's not just a Lucas product as well, is it, it is what's giving it such a different feel from the first film. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's again, it's why this action scene seems very different. Um... Ro- like I, I think we referenced the Ed Two Hundred Nine from RoboCop. Yeah. Like it does, it does feel a little RoboCop. Definitely. Like, like the the stop motion robots. It's not as bloody as Verhoeven. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> but, but it the, is. But it does feel like more exaggerated action. And tying it back to Rogue One and tying it back to Solo, even like the way it's shot, like during the Battle of Hoth, very much shot like a war movie again. Yeah. And that's why again. I cannot believe that Empire Strikes Back can possibly take place in the same universe as episodes one through three, you know? Yeah. Because it actually feels like a war, even though it's, like, a couple of, like, dozens of rebels fighting on this, you know, like, tundra. So, um... Uh, can you admit best action seri- best action scene in the franchise? I mean, uh, up until then, Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of cool action scenes that take place, you know, yeah. and scenes we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. So, they managed to repel the AT-ATs, uh, blowing up, I think, all of them, or no, like a couple of them, right? 
Uh, and all meanwhile buying time for the rest of the rebels to get off world, getting onto transport ships. So they manage to get most of the rebel forces off. Um, I believe they. This is where they split up because yeah. at this point Luke gets on his X-wing and, and instead goes of to flying, Dagobah. yeah, he ends up flying to Dagobah instead of going with everybody else. Meanwhile, Han and Chewie are trying to repair the Millennium Falcon because the uh, what is it, the warp drive or the whatever nerd and <laughs> words they put together, pretty much the it can't, the hyperdrive. It can't jump into light speed. Mm-hmm. So the, they're fixing the Millennium Falcon's hyperdrive. Um, barely get the ship working um, when Darth Vader and those weird Klansmen-looking stormtroopers, they look... Those look probably the most intimidating of any... Aside from the Death Troopers in Rogue One... Like, they look probably the next most, inti- like, intimidating. It's frightening. It is a... Fr- and this, seeing Darth Vader walk through those, like, icy caverns. Yep. Like, it is just awesome. And it then, is awesome. This movie fucking rocks. <laughs> it is best one in the series. Okay, calm it down there. <laughs> we still got a lot to get through. <laughs> so, and, you know, this also tells you a lot about, uh, about like, I got to, I really enjoyed the character development we saw with uh, Leia at this point. Because, like you were saying, we're coming off of Leia being the princess, the princess that needs to be saved, and now we're really seeing her direct traffic, telling people what to do, being the last person out, pretty much, at that command center where Han practically has to drag her out. Yeah, well, we have to remember, right, that much like we talked about Terminator... Uh, Sarah Connor changes from Terminator 1 to 2 because she has to be a survivor. Yeah. Leia has lost every single person that she's ever known that grew up on her planet with her. Like, that planet is gone. We don't know so if Bail she's not, is So gone. she's really not a princess anymore. <laughs> like, she's, she's not the princess of anything. And unfortunately, like, when Han just kind of, like, insultingly calls her your highness or, like, stuff, like, he'll make quips like that... Like, it's pretty uncomfortable because... Okay, yeah, when you think about it in that context, it's actually super fucked up. <laughs> she's the princess of nothing. <laughs> but she's definitely, like I said, like, she, she, by pure necessity of having to become a survivor now. Yeah. Like, she is just a much, she is a fundamentally different character and much more enjoyable character. Mm-hmm. So they manage to get away and they do that really cool scene where they're trying to get the Millennium Falcon going the stormtroopers are setting up their uh, turret, and then they have the, the the auto cannon on the Millennium Falcon, like blowing them up as they get close and stuff. And then you just see, like, this is what I'm telling you. You can tell the budget gets bigger because there's just so many random explosions on the inside. And I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" <laughs> also, the set. I mean, the set's really cool too. Yeah. Like the whole Hoth base is pretty dope. Um, so they manage to escape, they punch it, and they fly out, and they uh, head out with the Rebel Blockade, who is trying to uh, escape from the Imperial Fleet. The Imperial Fleet is attacking them, while every other ship in the uh, Rebel Fleet is able to, you know, go into, you know, hyperspace or light, or they're able to do the warp jump, whatever the fuck, right? I don't know what nerd words they use. Uh, they, th- we see that the Millennium Falcon can't because it's a piece of shit. So, Luke tries to fly through... I'm sorry, not Luke. Uh, Han tries to fly through an asteroid belt um, while they, you know, trying to lose the Empire. At the same time, 
trying to repair the ship so that they can actually escape. Um, so yeah, we get, and you know, this is where our heroes separate. We get to Dagobah, and I think, you know, just for the sake of uh, continuity, let's focus on one and then on the other, right? So who who's branch of the story? Which plot do you want to talk about first? Um, I'd probably go through the Luke storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of his story in this film really is like the it's like a samurai film, right? Very it much. is him yep. going to meet the old uh, Kermit the Frog, <laughs> the old uh, trainer who had long gone into you know hiding for whatever reason. Because obviously we know what happened now that we've seen episode three. So, I remember when you said the Jedi Order were a bunch of dickholes, and I was like, I think Angel's judging the Jedi Order a little bit too harshly, and then I remember how the last remaining Jedi Knights decided to kind of fuck off into the universe and just (laughs) pretend nothing, (laughs) just like, let's pretend nothing's gonna happen for the next 30 years, and then, like, right away, like, you know, we're so used to... Not to get too far ahead of myself, but what is Luke going to do when we get to that new series? Like, yeah. The Jedi just, they're like, you know what they are? They're deadbeat dads. They like, just disappear <laughs> when, like, for 30 years, they come back when everything's nice, and then they leave again. They start rebellions, and then they leave all these soldiers with blue balls and they, go away for three decades. <laughs> they come back and make shit look really cool, and you're like, oh, yeah, my dad's going to stay this time. But no, he doesn't. Then it, and then it's just like Fresh Prince of Bel Air all over again. <laughs> it's just like a series filled with like shitty space deads. <laughs> like I keep telling people, and everyone thinks I'm stupid for saying this, but the 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 dummies guide like synopsis for this movie is one family fucks up the universe for sixty years, <laughs> and that's what it keeps coming back to. Oh my god, but yeah, Yoda is kind of a dick hole, and you weren't wrong. And it's like we're so used to seeing him be kind of like that that grandmaster. Wait, oh shit. Well, in the pre look, we've watched the prequels a lot, and I'm sure we've watched the prequels a lot more in this last decade than we've watched this movie. Yes, right. And I don't remember. I did not remember how. Yoda acted until I rewatched this movie, and I was like, "Wow!" I'm really glad that I rewatched this before Force Awakens came out mm-hmm. because this is the Yoda that returns in Last Jedi as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't go back to no, that no, no. They do CGI not go back to CGI Yoda. Yoda. It's fucking I mean, Muppet they, they, Yoda. Well, it's Muppet Yoda in CGI form, but they but they make him look a lot more like this Yoda. Yeah. They do not go for Yoda in the floating (laughs) chair, monkeying around, just fighting Count Dooku. And, you know, Yoda does not want to train Luke. He says Luke isn't ready uh, because Luke gets angry. And he says that Luke is going to give away his anger and he's going to embrace the dark side of the Force. And then, uh, again, Ghost Obi-Wan makes me even wonder if this guy's even dead but he keeps coming back. Like, it feels like Star Wars Universe is like no one's ever really dead because people keep coming back as ghosts. Well, yeah, it's 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 the reason why I kept thinking Qui-Gon was going to come back in the prequel trilogy in Episode 3. I just had this feeling that he was going to come back. 
Oh, um, you were wrong on that one. <laughs> I have this feeling that Obi-Wan is going to come back at some point in this new franchise. Do you think it's going to be Ewan McGregor, or... Well, it has to be Ewan McGregor, because the other no, actor they're is... they're going to go bring... Oh, unless <laughs> they're going to do the CGI thing where they bring somebody back from the dead, and they just have You're Ewan acting... McGregor do his voice? You're acting like this franchise hasn't already done that. That's right. This franchise and Disney have no morals at all. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, they will dig up any old actor from the grave and bring them back. Don't let death get in the way of a good story. <laughs> and <Or> money. <laughs> oh, sweet mother of fuck. I, like, yeah, I have a feeling that Han is... No, Han. I have a feeling that Obi-Wan is gonna figure into the Rise of Skywalker somehow. Somehow. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. I mean, it makes sense, because Obi-Wan super tells Yoda, hey train this guy and he's like no he's not ready and then obi-wan hits him but like was i ready when you uh when you made me a jedi knight and then you know we look back and in this series we saw no he was not ready when you made him a jedi knight he was not ready when you gave him a padawan either well also the return of of yoda in the last jedi is shocking and we'll talk about it when we get there but it's just like yeah like i don't put anything past these people we heard the laugh of uh palpatine in the trailer, so anything and any, and everything can happen in this third movie. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, so anyway, yeah, Yoda eventually gets convinced. He finally uh, takes on Luke under his wing, and he trains him in the ways of the Force. Um, by doing what I'm assuming is like, what's it called? CrossFit? <laughs> yeah. Well, CrossFit, this, but with the Force? Well, yeah, I mean, it does, I'll say this, this feels a lot more involved, and he feels a lot more prepared, and a lot more like a Jedi at the end of this than he ever felt in A New Hope. Oh, totally. Like, I feel yeah. like all he did in A New Hope was like, you know, the little ball that would shoot lasers yeah, at him that, that he would it. use with the light, like, that is all I felt that he did in that first film, and then complain a lot. Whereas, like, in this movie, he is taking a much more active role um, he is starting to kind of even doubt himself a little bit in terms of, like, he has that, like, weird, like, vision of Darth Vader in the swamp. Yeah, he has that dream, right, where they fight. And he, like, he lights, with a lightsaber, he, like, decapitates him. And for some reason it explodes. <laughs> it explodes, and then the mask is on the ground, and it's open, and then it reveals that it's Luke's face under the Darth Vader mask. It was him all along. Well, it's good foreshadowing for where the movie's gonna go, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but they start making more reference to uh, Luke's father as well. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it appears that Luke blames Darth Vader for the death of his father now as he should uh which is hey it's absolutely true he should he definitely could blame him for the death of his mother mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no ain't that the truth <laughs> and he but, ha- like yeah it's really interesting because we get to see the 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 archetypal hero's journey in the last movie and then you get to see this one where it's like yeah like even though he's actually on his way to becoming that hero he takes a lot of steps back yeah to the point where he actually does the thing you shouldn't do and he d- disobeys directly what his trainers tell him to do. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he has this vision of Han and Leia being tortured, and instead of listening to Yoda and Obi Wan who tell him to stay and get trained, he's not ready to confront Darth Vader. He says nuts to that, and he ends up getting back in his X-wing and flies out to go save them. But because the writing is better. 
and because Mark Hamill's a better actor than Hayden Christensen, mm-hmm. I buy like when he disobeys what his masters are telling him to deal. do. Yeah, it feels like you are with him. Mm-hmm. And even though there were moments where I was with Anakin, it's not because I liked Anakin. Like mm-hmm. I was with him because I hate. Like I thought the Jedi were just that bad. You're picking the lesser of two evils when in this one you're like, no, he's made a lot of strides. I believe he can fight the big bad guy. And the Jedi are still wrong. Yeah. Like, the guys who want to trade him to be a Jedi are still coming up with all the wrong choices. You're all Luke, terrible at your jobs. But Luke is the one who I think the reason why he is, why the Return of the Jedi is all about Luke, yep. is because he really is represents who... I feel like he's everything that they prophesized Anakin to be. He was. And I think that's what makes it so... That And that's what makes the... I think that's what gives any weight to the to the uh, new trilogy, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. to episodes one through three, is because they, you know... Again, the running theme in Star Wars is that the Jedi are wrong. Yeah. They're always going to be wrong. And... Like, they believed the prophecy was that telling them about Anakin. That Anakin was supposed to be the one that brings order to the Force. And he did because he, you know, shoved his jizz all up in Padme's business and got two babies. And one of those actually didn't bring order to the Force, you know? Or balance to the Force, sorry. Because, like, Luke essentially is the real chosen one. Let's also not forget... That Carrie Fisher did shoot some stuff for episode 9. Mm-hmm. So she will be in that movie in some way. Um, and we'll see We'll see how she's used in that. Yeah. Um, but while this is all happening, we also have, again, the side story. We're going to run it back to plot B. Yeah. Or plot A. Or plot A, really. The, really plot A. Yeah. yeah. So the plot A storyline is that while... Uh, while Leia, Han, 3PO, and Chewbacca are pretty much hiding in these asteroid belt, uh, it was Darth Vader pretty much gathers a bunch of bounty hunters on his Star Destroyer and hires them to take out Han, or to capture Han and company and Luke, right? And in the meantime, you know, you get some more, some more flirtiness between... Uh, between Han and Leia, even to the point where you have that scene where he sneaks a kiss from Leia, and 3PO comes in with his big cock block and gold self. <laughs> you know, the scene they recreate in uh, in Solo, where yeah. Solo makes out with this girl, and I forgot who spoils that moment. Point is, like, the, with uh, Han, and, Han and company, nothing really... Of big importance happens until they get to Bespin, right? Yeah. Well, you're also going back and forth between that and then scenes of Darth Vader. Oh, the big one is Darth Vader being, you know, getting his weird alien lizard people that don't blink his uh, kill squad to go after them. (laughs) Well, that and then there's also the scene where he's talking to the Emperor, which, if you watch the original cut of this film, is a guy that also has weird bug eyes. Fuck it. Who, like, you will forget him forever. Like, I didn't remember this until I saw it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Much like when we talked about the Java scene. Um, But this is... I the wonderful addition that that George Lucas made to this film is that he brought back Ian McDermott, the actor who uh, 
plays uh, Palpatine in the prequel trilogy. Because he is way better and actually recognizable and probably not dead. Yeah, and he brings him back as uh, as the Emperor. And he, you know, when he's talking about how they could turn Luke Skywalker to the dark side and how he can be an asset and stuff like that, I feel like that is the closest that this film gets to episode three. Yep. Like, I feel like we are back in the same world as episode three. And well, the I would last have, half of episode three. Yeah. The good half of episode three. And I would three. have never thought that any of the films in this original trilogy would have harkened back to that film. But here we are. And well, we found the one, at the very least. And... I don't know. It was, uh... Like, it takes us a little bit, but we finally get to Bespin. Yeah. And this is what we were talking about. We get that, that huge... That huge, uh... Reunion moment. Yep. Well, what is a reunion to us at the time was just two friends meeting. But after watching Solo, this carries a lot more weight. It gives it context. Yep. It gives it a lot more context now. And you find out that on Cloud City, um, Lando's essentially the kind of an overseer? Yeah. Like well, he, this also feels like, I again, I feel like we're going back to the world of Episode 2 with Coruscant now. Yeah. You know, even though it obviously doesn't look the same... The interiors, I feel like, kind of like... It, it feels like the same world somehow. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that much. And, you know, he becomes the overseer of this cloud city. Uh, they're like miners, or I forget what, what it is they're doing there. But, you know, some, some weird things start happening right away. Namely, C-3PO gets shot, like, right off yeah. the bat. When he uh, goes around to snooping around, right? And then uh, Chewbacca is able to save him from being scrapped or smelted. And then, um, you know, like Leia keeps telling Luke, I mean, Leia keeps telling Han, who, okay, it's pronounced Han. We pronounce it Han. Why, at some point in this movie, do they all start calling him Han? I think a lot of people call him Han in this franchise. Right? <laughs> like, but it's weird because some people call him Han, some people call him Han. So it, like, throws me off, because I'm like, so what the fuck is it? Yeah. Other thing that bothered me. Other thing. Boba Fett's spoken lines were added, right? He never said anything in the original cut of this movie. Doesn't he? I don't think so. Oh, wow. Because the voice that comes up sounds like Jango Fett. Well, they probably used the same voice as they did for Django. That's really fucking stupid. Well, again, I fucking hate that. again, the Lucas reissues of these films are now connecting them to a greater Star Wars franchise. They should have just stayed quiet. <laughs> well, your Mandalorian series might fix all of this. Maybe who knows? Who knows? Mandalorian series might be the a Star Wars story that like just fixes all these issues that we it have It makes with this. everything worse. It <laughs> brings back metachlorians. <laughs> it tells us what the metachlorians in your body look like. It's gonna be stupid shit. Um, but anyway, um, so Lando is leading is leading uh, Leia and Han and Chewbacca to go get like dinner, right? Like, they're gonna go get food and he goes, oh, I have someone special for you to meet. And I love that freaking reveal scene. The, yeah. the the door just shoots up super fast. You just see uh, you see Darth Vader sitting across. The Darth across Vader the is the omniscient, omnipotent. Like he's everywhere and nowhere. Yeah. He's fucking terrifying. Like remember when we first did Halloween? 
like as our first episode of this series way, ever. Way, way, way back And when. how one of the things that we talked about that we loved about Halloween is that even when Michael Myers wasn't around, you felt his presence. That's Darth Vader. Like, he, yeah, like that is Darth Vader in this agree. film. Like, he just has this looming presence over everything that you feel like you could see him behind any corner and behind every door. And you know what my favorite part about this scene is? Is not just that the door opens and you see Darth Vader. Is without sk- skipping a beat, Han immediately just starts shooting at him. Because one, is it's in character, and two, it doesn't... Han shoots first. Yeah, Han will always shoot first. He's done this two times now. Yeah. Once again, um, once with Woody Harrelson, because I never remember his character's name in Solo. And again with Greedo. So it's like, again, it's in character, right? Wow. And the fact that it's like fucking just force bl- repels those like shots away it's that was just... an, and yeah he, they're basically so they're basically set up by Lando which that isn't very Colt 45 smooth of you Landy, Lando <laughs> <laughs> oh poor Billy D did you ever see <laughs> did you ever see that sketch from Robot Chicken where it's like Billy D's trying to go about his life, and then people are like, being like, "Man, I can't believe, I still can't believe Lando betrayed Han." <laughs> and then he goes, "How come no one talks?" Like he just loses his shit in the middle of a supermarket. He goes, "How come no one ever talks about how I saved that entire colony?" He goes, "Those poor people would have died if I didn't do what I did." Or no one talks about how I went back to save them. And then he goes, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you!" He just starts ca- cussing out all the fans. Oh, God. But, yeah, that wasn't Colt 45. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I love is that the Imperials immediately start torturing Han. They don't even ask him questions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like, so are you going to interrogate me? Just fucking electrocutes his balls off. <laughs> Which, you know, the, again, these characters feel like they're in a lot more imminent danger than they did in the first film, for yeah. sure. And definitely the Imperials feel like space Nazis in this one. Yeah. Um, so it looks like what they really want to do is uh, with Luke is they want to... Preserve him... his innocence. Well, they want to put him in suspended animation. In like a same shit. <laughs> Which, you know, this feels, this feels very 70s, 80s to me. I think one of the reasons why I like this movie so much is I think a lot of the sets and just... The kind of style and story beats of it kind of remind me of... Alright, bear with me here. It's going to be Dark Knight reference. No, 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 no. Superman 1 and Superman 2, the Richard Donner movies. Okay. Um, because Zod gets trapped in the Phantom Zone and they basically suspend, put him in suspended animation. <laughs> much like they do with this. And a lot of the sets, specifically on Hoth, and even some of the sets, like, right now, like, like in the city of Bespin, like, it feels like you're in the Fortress of Solitude somehow. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, these are films that I can't explain why and how, but they feel like distant cousins to each other somehow. Maybe it's the John Williams score. <laughs> I think it's the John Williams score. I think it's the stupid sci-fi stuff. Yeah. But, so. uh, yeah, so, I guess what they decide to do is either have Han be the test subject for being frozen in carbonite or just freeze him in carbonite because they don't care if he lives or dies anyway. Well, it's literally both. That's true. <laughs> like, if, they, if he survives, they can freeze they can freeze Luke. If he dies, he dies. Well, okay, so I guess this is this is where the Boba Fett thing comes in, right? Like, he's, he's a bounty hunter. So, he is actually here to collect the bounty by... On Han. By, yeah, by kidnapping Han and taking him to Jabba, Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm glad that we had that extra scene of Jabba and Han 
from A New Hope, it does feel like this is a lot more connected somehow. Yeah, because now it's not just like, oh, who the fuck's Jabba? I can't remember now because it's been a couple weeks, but is Boba Fett in that scene? Nope. Okay. Because I had this like weird sense memory that Boba Fett was in that scene somehow, but... Nah, because Boba essentially... Um... And and that's one of the one of the lines exchanges he has with Darth Vader is he tells him you know if uh, he can't collect his bounty if if Han is dead and then Darth Darth Vader assures him that if uh, you know he does die the Empire is going to compensate him for all right no matter what mm-hmm. so it so they really totally, don't care if he lives or no, dies they do not care <laughs> yeah. they're like we'll pay you the money if he dies and yeah. I was like oh wow fuck you Han. <laughs> um. So, and this is where, you know, he gets his last moment to say goodbye to Leia. Mm-hmm. And, it, and possibly goodbye to the series if right. Harrison Ford got his way. Well, that and then also it's just, there, there wasn't there wasn't any, like, sense at this time that you were imminently going to get another sequel. Yeah, there was, it's not like now where it's like, if a a movie will get a sequel before it's even released. I think the difference between this and Infinity War, now that I'm coming back to it again, <laughs> is Infinity War was made with the intent that you knew there was something else that was coming after it. I don't think audiences had that same feeling in 1980 when this film came Are out. Are you kidding? Fucking moving pictures in the 1980s? <laughs> People still thought it was witchcraft. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> But no, no. I mean, it, that's that's what I keep coming back to is I think this was l- much less of a done deal that it's going to happen this way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have shot them back to back, and I don't think they did that because nah. the next film isn't going to have the same like it isn't going to have the same director. But also, you got to remember that this was a whole different time. This was before studios like had these fucking massive shit zillion dollars worth of contracts yeah. for... Also, I can't wait for us to talk about Return of the Jedi because there was an original draft of that film that is very different from this film. From the film that it ends up being. So is I it can't the wait one, to go to it. Is it the one where Chewbacca kills Darth Vader? <laughs> Did I ever tell you about that? That my no. friend... Had, I remember I was like 12 years old and my friend said, my grandpa has a script of... Uh, Return of the Jedi, where they kill Luke, and then <laughs> Chewbacca gets mad and grabs the lightsaber, cuts on, he cuts uh, Darth Vader's head off, and I was like, "What the fuck kind of movie is that?" I was like, "Can I see the script?" And he goes, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no, never, <laughs> never. It's it's gone. Leaves never calls you again. <laughs> Friendship oh, okay. over. Oh my god. So I love this scene." I've, I've fucking quoted this scene to my girlfriend. She does not <laughs> like it when oh, I do it. I love you. I know. I know. Immediately gets a titty twister for <laughs> my troubles. Uh, oh my god. So, uh, Luke decides to launch a one-man assault. Yes. And I, I, I forgot that he had, like still has a blaster. It's... <laughs> I'm like, because I'm so not used to seeing Jedi Knights shoot people. And I was like, oh shit, he's shooting dudes. Well, again, he's not really a Jedi Knight. Nope. He is just a guy who will do whatever it takes to get it done. He's got guns and swords. (laughs) It's a woman. (laughs) Space Rambo. (laughs) (laughs) And he manages to fight his way to a confrontation with uh, Darth Vader. 
Yes. Meanwhile, Lando realizes what a giant piece of shit he is, and he manages to get his security crew to jump the Imperials, and they're able to free Chewbacca and Leia and get them back to the ship. Um, but anyway. I do what I do like about that is it's very much in keeping with the characters that we first met in Solo. Since yes. we're watching this in chronological order, Lando is a character that lives in a shade of gray. You know, he'll do the right thing if... Eventually. It's, if it's the right time to do the right thing, mm-hmm. he will... Doesn't take Self-preservation risks. is important for him. Yeah. You know? And whereas, like, I think... I think one of the things that's interesting where he and Leia kind of do relate as characters is that they're both about self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Except Leia's self-preservation instincts are a lot more about a greater good. She her, feels a lot more like... Her, she feels a lot more like Cassian and Jin from Rogue One. Her self-preservation is more lose the battle to win the war yeah, and fight another day. Yeah. Where Lando's self-preservation is like, oh, I ain't dying here, bro. I just don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a very relatable like uh, motivation. I don't want to die. Or, or do I? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The world's falling apart. We might, might as well. <laughs> um, but we get this uh, battle between Luke and Vader in the city. It's pretty sick. Yeah. It's pretty It's pretty cool lightsaber fight. It's awesome. Uh, I hadn't seen this in a very long time because, again, the film from the original trilogy that I've watched the most lately, I feel like, has been A New Hope. Yep. And A New Hope, again, it was lower budget. It was a lot simpler in terms of story. There (laughs) was Batman turns. (laughs) There weren't that many, like, action scenes and stuff like that. that, At least, like, this, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a great battle. Probably the best lightsaber fight we've seen since and easily since uh, Anakin and Obi Wan from Episode yeah. Three, um, and it's been you know it, this is where we get the now infamous scene where Darth Vader reveals to Luke you know once Luke accuses him of killing his father mm-hmm. that is where Darth Vader says you know and the line isn't Luke I am your father yeah fucking Mandela affected all of us you know <laughs> yeah the line is I am your father. No, I am your father. Yeah, it's no, done. In, you that's know what it, impossible. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like how you and I like watched, looked at all those Hannibal Burris like memes mm-hmm. of when you know it's super deadpan. Yeah, like compared where, to where, how where, anybody th- where you read like the meme where it says, "Why are you booing me? I am right." And I said it's super excited, and it turns <laughs> out I was wrong. And then it's like, yeah, every time that we'd read it to each other, we'd go, "Why are you booing me? I am right." <laughs> <laughs> but when you actually watch the video of him saying it, it's, Why are you booing me? I'm right! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, that is the same feeling that I get when I hear the actual line in this film. Yeah. Uh, but this is it. Like, now we are at where, you know, all of this has been building up to. You now know that Darth Vader is is Luke's father. And because this reissued uh, film had the scene with... Uh, Palpatine and Darth Vader in it, they make a reference to the fact that Luke is the son of Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right! Yeah. And he was like, that's why you must kill him. And then, that I forgot about that. They do make a reference to that. Yeah, they this, this movie, again, the changes in the last movie were all mm-hmm. done were special effects changes to make it feel more like Phantom Menace. This is more content. This one has content changes that makes it feel more connected to that prequel trilogy. Did you catch the line 
where he says together we can overthrow the emperor and lead the universe as father and son. So I I caught that when I was watching the movie for the podcast, right? I'm like he does he makes mention he makes a reference to killing the emperor huh. and leading with Luke, and it brought me back to the scene in episode three when Anakin was talking to Padme and says I can kill the emperor. And you and I can lead the galaxy right. as, like, you know, a family again. And I was like, oh, shit. So, like, kind of tying back to what you were saying, wow. content-wise. you're That's a deep dive because <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. Really? Like, it was such a weird line. I was like, I wonder if that was originally there. Yeah. But sure. um, if it is, holy shit, that totally ties, like, episode three back to, you know, episode five in a really cool way because it shows that... Darth Vader, for him, it's just about power. Yeah. And he doesn't care. He has no problem getting rid of Palpatine. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, at the end of this scene, we get the... I guess where um, Luke drops... Later, fuck. Yeah, Luke drops into an air shaft. Which, again, I feel like that is a recurring motif in this. We get the Darth Maul fight where that kind of stuff happens. And then now we have... Like, the Darth Maul fight felt a lot like this fight in that one character just falls down a shaft. Except yeah. in this one, in case instead of Luke dying, like he's able to hold on to something to kind of keep him from floating away into God knows where. You know, fucking Cthulhu gas into the asshole of space. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he—that is when he uses his. Uh, you know, now he—he he seems like he, now he has full control of the force. He's able to Professor X like <laughs> telepathically <laughs> <laughs> communicate with Leia. To kind of have her and Lando and, like, the gang come back and rescue him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And that is where we kind of leave off once we, you know, once once he gets picked up. is, uh, I mean, obviously I, I, I fucked up by not mentioning the fact that Luke actually loses his arm oh, yeah, like, he ends in up this battle. His, that's right. Which, uh, Darth Vader cuts off his arm. Much like Anakin got his arm yep. cut off by Count Dooku. Yep. One, I, no, it wasn't the same arm. Was it? Yeah, because he got his right arm cut off, right? Yeah. And same thing. Luke got his right arm cut off, too. Yep. And but he got one of those cool robot arms that looked like human flesh, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. And then they had, like, the creepy scene. Is that in this movie? Or That's is in this Return? one. Return, okay. No, it's in this one. Oh. They, like, close his, uh, oh my God. his wrist up. And yeah, it, that gross, like, it grosses me out. You know, it looks super weird. I can't, I can't deal with it. it, it I, I get mummy flashbacks when I see, like, stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's he... You know, this is, again, this movie ends on a bit of a dark note. Han is... Dead? Question mark. You don't know what's gonna happen next. Darth it, Vader didn't die. Darth Vader's still around, um, and like, you know, nothing has really changed in terms of like. I don't feel like any of these characters are any closer to winning the war after mm-hmm. this film is over. But I can't explain it. It feels like just an awesomely dark note to end it on. I'll put it to you this way: bringing this back to the parallel that I started with the beginning of this episode, where I talked about the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Godfather 1 has a definitive ending, much like A New Hope does, yep. where it could stand on its own no matter what. Godfather 2 expands the storyline, makes the world a lot more massive, but it also ends on a note where your main character has now, you know, where everything around him has deteriorated. You know, like, uh, 
Michael Corleone wears it, wears at the end of um, Godfather One, even though he had wiped all of his enemies out, he had his wife, he had his kids, he was moving to Nevada in the in 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 a mansion, and you know the family's fate was secure. Whereas at the end of Godfather Two, he just seems like a kind of evil son of a bitch who's pushed away everyone in his life. Like, he's just the most evil character ever. It is the sourest note to end this franchise on. And then at the end of that movie, they kind of do a flashback back to the way things that were... You know, we need to review that film as well, and I don't want to get too far into this. But it's, again, it just... it, It ends it on such a wonderfully dark note... To where, yes, there could be something that comes after that. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, in that franchise, there is. And it's not good. <laughs> Go, um, Godfather 3. <laughs> but, you know, it just it, this also just feels like it could have ended here. And that would have been fine. But I, I can understand now why the hype in the 80s for Return of the Jedi... Was so huge. Was such a fever pitch. Like, Return of the Jedi for the early 80s crowd is what... Every MCU stan has been dealing with with, with in terms of War. In, no in, in terms of Endgame. Oh yeah yeah yeah. You know it like they, oh that's what you meant yeah yeah yeah. Yeah like we're we're about to step into Endgame hype for the next film in this franchise. I and I think I mentioned it when we talked about Endgame. Uh, I forgot who, but there I think it was J.R.R. Tolkien uh, when he was talking about Return of the King. Or, I, don't, I mean, I honestly don't know anything about Lord of the Rings because I hate that movie franchise because it's so long. But... <laughs> well, I do know the third one is widely considered to be the best. It's one of the few franchises where the third one is considered to be the best. Well, the thing about Return of the King, and it's kind of what Endgame did and also what Return of the Jedi did, is J.R.R. Tolkien had this idea of um, exuberant, joyous... Uh, something like that but it's essentially that you you use the middle part of your story to put your heroes in such a shitty place that you have such a um what's it called cathartic return and it makes that time where they rise up and have their hero moments it mean that much more this is one of the first movies to do this but I feel like every second movie in the franchise does this now. The second dark, the second chapter is the dark chapter in every franchise now. Like I feel like every single movie series that we've had since. We talked about Dark Knight. We talked about Terminator. We talked about. Um, yeah, I felt like Terminator was dark for everything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Terminator One was probably darker because it felt more like a horror movie, I guess. Terminator Three had like the destruction of the world. Yeah. But you know what I mean, like, like there, there are certain, like, you know, what I just talked about with Godfather Two. It's like these second chapters tend to be very dark. They tend to be like you, like you just said, it is the where you leave your characters in the darkest moment possible, so that they can come back again in in the third film in the franchise. Yep. And I think that is an awesome way for us to leave off and to be anticipating the next step in this franchise. So, with that said, do we like The Empire Strikes Back? I liked it. Like, yeah, I still like A New Hope more, but I like it. Do you feel any different about it now, having seen it, compared to I think previous uh, times that you've seen I it? I feel a lot different about it now, because before it was just... To me, like, when I saw it before, it was just the sequel to A New Hope. And then when I watch it now, with everything, especially now under this project, 
where we have the context of everything leading up to this Mm -hmm. and the callbacks to little things from episode three or you know the context you get because you watch solo and just like these little interconnected storylines that go out through the entire saga yeah like it makes me appreciate this film that much more you know and i think especially give if we're basing it on the you know of its merit based on the other original trilogy or you know just based on the original trilogy like yeah it's the war movie it's the movie that has the battles it's the movie that leaves again that kind of put it wasn't afraid to pull a punch and put you in a dark place for your heroes right um definitely it's a great movie i I recommend it especially if you're gonna be doing like us and re-watching the entire series uh you're gonna appreciate it a lot more when you watch uh everything you know yeah i cannot wait to go back to the last jedi again because to me for some reason, Last Jedi and Empire Strikes Back have... I feel like they're two kindred yeah. spirits. Yeah, because it's the same plot. <laughs> so I will you know, talk more about that film when we get to that film. I love this movie. It is still my favorite one in the Star Wars franchise. I love Darth Vader as a character. I feel like he gets a lot more sinister in this film than he was in... Any of the films that we've seen in the past. Oh, yeah, he's with an the evil ex- bastard. With the exception of that amazing scene from Rogue One where he, like, murders all the rebels in that in that hallway. Um, but I feel like that is the same character that is in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it just fits in very perfectly with it. Um, I like the character of Yoda okay. You know, I really love... Okay, coming back to this franchise, I didn't really understand why people loved Han so much. Now, having seen Solo and having rewatched this film, I am a much bigger fan of Han Solo than I had been for a very long time. So, I love him as a character in this film. I love the growth that Princess Leia goes through. Like I said, the sets are awesome, the action is awesome. I am very glad that we got to rewatch this. Unfortunately, I kept falling asleep when we were watching it because of the circumstances that I've been under this week. But that doesn't change my opinion on this. This really is, to me, the best film in this uh, in this series. And I, well, it, I mean, God knows we don't know what la- what the rise of Skywalker is going to give us. But at least at this point in time, it is my favorite uh, film in this series. And I, it, once we get to the end of this series and we start ranking them in terms of how we like each one of them, how moist you get with <laughs> each one, this is still the top. I'm very happy to see it. You have to see this movie. If you're watching this franchise, this movie fucking rocks. You don't have to do anything if you guys don't want to. (laughs) Don't listen to him. You're your own strong, independent person. (laughs) Uh, So we'd like to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of of our review series. I know it's been a rough summer because we haven't been on a consistent release schedule as we wanted to be. And it's hot as shit because <laughs> we happen to be recording in Satan's asshole. But a wonder, but a change to this franchise that's going to be coming up um, that we had discussed already previously is um, in two weeks we will be releasing our episode on Return of the Jedi. But after we get through the original franchise in Star Wars... We will then be transitioning this series into one Star Wars movie a month. Because that'll pretty much take us all the way up to Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. 
So, um, so Return of the Jedi is going to be our September film. Um, the uh, Force Awakens is going to be our October film. That's going to be November. Oh, sorry, it's going to be our November film, and uh, Rise of Skywalker will be in December. And I hope you guys. No, will I think you join messed us. that one up. Yeah, I hope you guys will. So. I hope you guys will join us for the month of October. Because we've decided that because October is Halloween... And we love horror movies. That we were going to review four different horror films for the month of Halloween. So that will be the month where we take a break completely from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, if we have enough time, we might do extra ones. Maybe four to six, but I'm not holding my breath on the six. (laughs) But if you guys have any suggestions for spooky, scary skeleton movies, let us know. Um, Just quick correction... Uh, but going back to what you said, September will be our, yeah. Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. And then November, you said... Force Awakens. Force Awakens. And then Last Jedi is early December. Yeah. Last Jedi will be early December. We're going to end, because I believe, um... Uh, Rise of Skywalker Skywalker is Christmas. Yeah, it's like on Christmas. So, expect that, like, towards the end of December, we're going to start December with, uh, Last Jedi. And yeah, we're looking forward to it. This has been great fun endeavor. I've, go oh God, we are like worlds apart from when we reviewed the original trilogy to where we are now. I but love this experiment. I really love this experiment. I I think the ability for us to rediscover a franchise that we understood, but that we haven't watched all the films as much as we'd like to think we do. We like to think of this as an. It's almost like. People who go back and would say they want to watch something like the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. Like, we have an idea of what the overall universe is like. But if we went back and we started watching those individual Marvel movies and giving individual reviews of some of those movies, it would be a lot different than what our memory is telling oh, us. Oh, fuck yeah. Because yeah. I feel like our memory is painted by everything as a whole. So when we're going through these movies one by one by one by one, we're starting to kind of appreciate them on their own terms. Oh, totally. Like, this film, like, like I said, this film more makes me appreciate the fucking new prequel, the prequel trilogy a little bit more, you know? Just because of the little things that they're able to draw from it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad and we'll be, I think, I, I hate announcing movies before, but I think we still got... Um, do the right thing on, on the books for yep. before the end of summer. Which I'm very excited about. Um, again, I, Javi has not seen that movie before. I have. I love Spike Lee's early films. Like My two favorite Spike Lee movies are Malcolm X and Do the Right Thing. And those are two of his most popular ones. Uh, obviously, those are the most mainstream ones that he did in his early career. But it's really awesome. I it's It's got such a style of its own that I cannot wait to get to it yep so So, yeah that's about it so we appreciate you guys joining us and we hope you continue to interact with us on our uh instagram page and to download uh our episodes on our plat the platform of your choice oh yeah follow our link tree we have a link tree it's on the uh ig page do we like movies pod uh follow that pick your choice uh angel's also been working on a really cool playlist on spotify i'll be adding on well on on apple music for the do we like movies podcast playlist it's basically films that have uh so every movie that we've reviewed has had one or two uh songs from it that we have enjoyed so Mm -hmm. i've decided to start adding those songs to this running playlist which i'm also going to add to the link tree our instagram Mm -hmm. for both spotify and apple music 
Um, and, and yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us, and please join us again next week. And until then, I'm Angel, and I'm Avi. Later, turds. <laughs>